March Madness is at the midway point, and Canadian Biggie might just have the best bracket in the entire country. Opening day is also near, so we're going to discuss who's winning each division in Major League Baseball along with the wildcard spots. And finally, we're going to hear from you, the fans, as you tell us who the best all-time starting lineup in NBA history is. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. Well, March Madness has begun, and and here we are. The first weekend is in the books. We've gotten past the first round, past the round of 32. We are down to the Sweet 16. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think most of the games are that enjoyable. I mean, there, there was probably one game that kind of stands out, Duke and Central Florida. I mean, that game had everything you could possibly want in a NCAA tournament game. That game was down to the wire. I think that a lot of people coming into the tournament typically root against Duke. You were watching that game thinking, this year I can root for Duke because I like Zion. I think in that game, everyone was still rooting for Duke to lose. That Dawkins kid for UCF has got to be sick to his stomach. That thing hung on the rim for about three seconds, it felt like. I mean, that was a buildup between the battle of the big men. You had the other guy for UCF. Uh, what's his name? Taco Fall. Yeah, he was like saying, Zion's not putting me on a poster if he brings it in here. And I'm sitting there thinking, if Zion wants to dunk it on your skinny ass arms, he's going to break it over the damn rim. But it was a good showing by UCF, and it could have went either way. And all it was a matter of that ball rolling around a cylinder right I, I there mean, at the could end. Could a game not end any closer? I mean, I mean, for a team to lose that way? I'll tell you this. I was... I obviously picked Duke like almost everyone else in the country, and I was at the point my bracket is so shot, which we'll talk about in a minute. I was like, let him beat Duke at this point. I don't even care. I'm glad that you bring up the bracket because that game was really bittersweet for me. I always like to see that underdog team pull out the victory against you know the Goliath. I've never rooted so hard for Duke in my life because just – want to throw this out there right now there were 17.2 million brackets done on espn i'm currently ranked 137th i mean that that is impressive more impressive though is you are at the top of the leaderboard for the we don't know sports group and, and i'm a little upset by that but i, I think you along with probably 90 percent of the other people that filled out brackets on our group they all have duke winning at all and they got tested. It was close, and UCF is not the best team in this tournament. Maybe it's matchups or whatever, but Duke looked awful vulnerable, and and you know what? If they don't do a better job with their defense that they're supposed to be so good at, I don't see them making it You know, maybe past the next round. I'd have to agree with you there. The way that they played, I think they win this next game against Virginia Tech, a conference opponent that, who they know well. When they get into the regional final, I think it's going to be against your Michigan State Spartans, and uh, I'm pretty worried about that game right now, having picked Duke to win the title. That's that's the only chance I got to win the bracket challenge is for Michigan State to to do the unthinkable and beat Duke and, and go on to the uh, the run that I, I believed they would originally do. Nobody else has Michigan State in our group picked except me, so I, I think I'm in like sixth or seventh place right now. I'm clinging to hope. You know, everybody else has Duke or North Carolina that's in front of me. I think somebody's got Virginia, and I'm just hoping that everything will go my way. Let Michigan State go for that that title, and I, I think I might walk away the winner of this uh, said contest. Mister Brown, how's your bracket doing? <laughs> Do we really got to bring it up? <laughs> I mean, I know on the screenshots we put on Facebook that I I couldn't see where you were. I mean, you didn't uh, put the full picture in there, you know. You just got to look down to number 18 out of 22. That's where I'm at. I mean, if I wanted to do a video of us scrolling down the screen, <sighs> I probably could have posted that. But, yes, it would not fit in the snapshot. I mean, you probably could have started recording that Rondo song right there with my bracket, and that's how I feel right now. I've, I've got 11 out of 16 teams correct right now, but you know, it is what it is. So, so Biggs, would you switch anything up on your Sweet 16? I know they put out where you can do a new bracket based off of the Sweet 16. I do not believe in doing that. I think you you ride the horse you came to town on. Uh, is there is there anything big? We we got uh, Duke Virginia Tech that you mentioned. You got Oregon on that Sweet 16 run that I think both you and I did predict, and then they're playing against Virginia. And then uh, I think Houston and Kentucky is kind of an interesting matchup. What, what do you think is going to – who's going to be the first number one seed to lose? How about that? Well, having picked 16 of 16 right for the Sweet 16, I wouldn't change anything there. 
Going forward, I would say I have Kentucky into the Final Four, and without P.J. Washington, I think that they're the first big seed to fall and that it could happen in their first game because I don't know that they're going to get by Houston if they're shooting the ball well. Not as many people are up on Houston. For one seeds, I really think that Virginia could lose here in the Sweet 16 to Oregon. Dana Altman's a really good coach. Oregon has won. They weren't going to be in this tournament until they get hot at the end of the year and they won their conference tournament. I think Virginia would be the first number one seed to fall. I mean, Oregon's probably arguably the hottest team in this tournament, right? I mean, isn't that what it is? It's not about being the best team always. It's just getting hot at the right time and making that run at the right time, and that's what they're doing. Oregon right now reminds me of that UConn team from a few years ago with Kevin Ollie that <clears> – <throat> just was really good at postseason basketball. Wouldn't have been in the tournament without a run in the Big East tournament. They, that, they, they have that feel to them right now. What were they, like a nine seed that year? I think they were an eight, and Kentucky was a nine or an eight and a seven. They played for the national title. Did you all see the uh, ticket prices for each region? <laughs> no. Oh, is it like an arm and a leg? Yeah, here, here's what's crazy. You got the East with obviously Duke and uh, Michigan State. 650 <laughs> a ticket, right? That's the average? Average ticket in the East region. Every other bracket, West, South, Midwest, is around 180 bucks. But think about that. It's, it's crazy. So is it just Zion Williamson? Is that what you're doing? You're paying to see Zion? Is that, is that it? I mean, even though Michigan State's a good team, I, let, let's be real. They're not real flashy. You're paying for Zion. It's Zion, man. Zion is like a marketer's dream. He's got that million dollar smile. He's got a flashy name. He's a one name star. One name stars. Oh, somebody's going to get rich off that kid in a few months. What about when every time he does something good, his whole body goes limp and he does a head bob? It, it is pretty good. The, the shimmy side to side. It's I outstanding. Mean, he's walking like a caveman or something. I don't know what that is. I mean, so, but I got something real quick on the Sweet 16. I know we all fill out our brackets, everyone knows where they stand, but. Take the brackets out for a second. We saw how the teams have played the first two rounds. Can we make some quick picks on the last uh, eight games here? I mean, I, I'm I'm sticking with the, the two I feel the most confident with. I still like Michigan State. I, I'm glad they got tested early. I, I'm glad Izzo got all that attention on him and all the players came to support him, which was stupid. And If you saw the Scott Van Pelt thing breaking down why everybody's snowflakes now, that was beautiful. But outside of Michigan State, I'm telling you, North Carolina is extremely dangerous. I like their path to the title game. I, I I have a hard time not seeing them at least in the championship game. I mean, but like real quick, we're all in agreement Duke's going to beat Virginia Tech, correct? I think so. Yes. All right, Michigan State, we all agree over LSU, correct? Yep. I think it'll be yep. a dogfight, but they'll win. I'm sticking with Virginia. You got Oregon. Who do you got, Biggs? I'll stick with Virginia. All right, we got I, Tennessee and Purdue. I mean, we all going Tennessee, or does anybody got Purdue? I'm going Tennessee, but Purdue, I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue wins. Yep, same here. All right, Florida State, Gonzaga. I think that's going to be a tough game, but I think Gonzaga somehow pulls it out. I, I'm taking the Zags. Yeah, I think uh, Florida State just doesn't have enough on the offensive end to keep up with them. I'm sticking with my pick, Michigan over your Texas Tech pick, Air Biggs. What do you got? I like Michigan. My Red Raiders, boys, that's their bracket to lose. Are we all in agreement UNC over Auburn? Yes. Although I do agree, I will say this. The way Auburn shoots that three and as many as they shoot a game, if this game, if both teams don't score 80 in this game, I'd be surprised. All right. And I like Houston over Kentucky, personally. Why don't, what do you all think? I like Houston as well over Kentucky. I think to what Biggs highlighted earlier about Kentucky not being full strength, and, you know, Houston Houston is a good team. They're not getting any love because of the conference they play in. But if you've watched them at all, and, and they've done they've done pretty fair for themselves so far in this tournament. Houston playing Kentucky with no P.J. Williams. I think Houston wins that game. All right, so I want to know, is there a guarantee here? I mean, do you feel confident that this is this is your bracket? There's nothing anybody else can do to change that. Is this your bracket? Yeah, like, let's be honest. You're in first by by – substantial amount of points you have the most projected points left available like if you don't win you suck man like this is like you got to pull this thing out if you let one of these other jokers on our facebook page beat one of us 
you are in position to keep everything in the in the realm of certainty to keep the natural balance, you know, correct. I mean, it would be a meltdown of, of epic proportions it, if he loses. This. It would be. I mean, I you know, you might be hey, kicked off the show. Listen to me. This isn't West Virginia on the road in Kansas. Up like sixteen with two minutes left. I don't fold. We did a bull pick on I won that. We're doing the college uh, NCAA March Madness bracket. Look at where I am compared to everybody else. This is what I do. I know sports. Mr. Brown, you're excited, right? You're going to go on vacation. And, and what are you doing next week? Well, on uh, Monday the 1st, I'll be down in Atlanta for the home opener against the Cubbies. And uh, I'll go live for everyone to see. And uh, we're going to hopefully see them take uh, both games over there to watch. Uh, we're going to be there Monday and Wednesday next week. So you're taking in two games, like Abs- a true fan. Absolutely. Uh, man, I am envious of you. Just like Biggie probably is, we'll, me and him will both be working and, and probably listening to baseball games and, and things like that, but we won't be in our city. I know Biggie's not making it out to Seattle anytime soon, and hopefully I'll get out to Cincinnati a couple times this year. But, you know, it's exciting because baseball season's finally here, and the one thing I, I can say I'm probably most excited about is all of our fans and followers out there, man, the baseball fans bring the heat. Like, they are all over our stuff each and every day. They do a phenomenal job. But... We put some stuff out there and everybody gave us, you know, they, the votes came in and we figured out who the division winners are said by the public. Now we got our own picks on division winners. We're going to get to that in a second. But if you go back over the past week, we've had a lot of big contracts come in here, mostly for, for arms, you know, not position players. We, we got, we know about Mike Trout. We talked about that last week, but we got some pitchers that got paid. So going through a couple of them, we got Verlander got $66 million for two years. That's insane. But, I mean, it's probably the going rate for him right now. <laughs> Good for him. You got uh, Hendricks over in Chicago for the Cubbies. He he got, you know, $56 million about, you know, for four years. So, you know, pretty good contract there, good extension. You got DeGrom, five years, 137 I love DeGrom. <laughs> we, so do the Mets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you also had a sale of, up in Boston, five years for 145 So going right, market price, did anybody make a bad decision? I mean, or is that just the state of the game we're in right now? I mean, I, I don't have a problem with any of the four. I mean, the only one that would kind of concern me is uh, last season's sale uh, seemed to break down a little bit. But, I mean, if he's healthy, absolutely. I like all four deals. Uh uh, for those teams yeah i like the deals as far as the ability of the pitcher and uh justin verlander's one been one of my favorite pitchers throughout his career kind of reinvented himself i was really surprised to see him get that amount with 33 million a year for the next two of those contracts the one i could see having a back end that's not so good is uh for the new york mets what because he's how old is he right now isn't he already like 30 or 31 and it's a five-year deal I have no idea how old DeGrom is. I believe – no, I think he's uh, mid-20s. I didn't think he was over 30. Am I thinking uh, – I'm thinking of a different pitcher he, on their staff. He just broke on the scene uh, not too long ago. So I'd say he's in his early to mid-20s, if I had to guess. Yeah. Check his age. That's the only one that kind of stuck out to me, but he has an option year in there too. We'll see. I like uh, Hendricks for the Cubs. was a good signing at a good rate. He is thirty years old, so he's he's right there on that on that mu- on that number. So so I get what you're saying. Maybe fourth or fifth year of that contract, there could be some be some question marks. He must be a late bloomer because you didn't hear about Degrom for the last few until the last few years. Yeah, he came up late. The World Series year, they kind of broke out, and you felt like he was twenty years old at that time. Now, I think the the sale one you you already said that you had some concerns about him possibly you know, durability, right? I, I think is that almost a knee jerk reaction though from Boston because of what happened with Lester there a couple years ago, where they like lowballed him, they offered him like half of what he ended up getting on the open market, and now they just don't want to let another pitcher go. I think it's that, and I also think it's the the fact that uh, they've already tried to talk to Mookie Betts about an extension, and he says, the hell with you guys, I'm going to the open market. So they probably wanted to lock up whoever they could get right now. Man, that's crazy, though, because as much as – you know, people are like, look what Trout got without going on the open market. Like, I, I don't know if I would be so, you know, quasi calm about it if I'm Mookie Betts. I, I would probably be telling them, 
you bring the thunder and I might break out the pin and we'll see what happens. And I mean, because he's already in Boston. I mean, who's really going to top it? You know, unless you get like him and the, them and the Yankees like bend against each other. But the Yankees outfits outfits pretty much set too. So, I mean, I think he could wind up very well in Boston and just stay there if he would choose to yeah, do so. Have it. And you have a chance to win every year. So the money that you maybe don't get on the top end on the field, you get off the field because you're a very known face. You're very marketable. Hey, I'm going to take it a step further on these extensions. You talked about some of the pitchers, but in the last week, uh, Major League Baseball teams have shelled out over $1 billion. And the top five players that contributed to this uh, $1 billion, like we said, was obviously Trout. His mega deal, Chris Sale, DeGrom, Goldschmidt for the Cardinals, and Alex Bregman for the uh, Astros. So those five alone actually brought out $1 billion. So yeah, we're, we're already past the Machado and Harper ones. That's not even raining into that. Just I'm extensions. Just, you add up Arenado and those two, you probably get closer to $2 billion. Yeah, that's insane. That is ridiculous. Oh, but baseball needs to change the rules because they have a problem. That's stupid. Anyway, uh, back to pitching. There's uh, still two names out there. We're still on the Kimbrough and Keiko watch. They have not been signed. What is what the hell's going on with these guys? I mean, Keiko. I read today that Boris was just talking about he was stretching out, getting uh, stretched out like he would be if he was in spring training, hoping a team signs signs him. I think it's a, a matter of the fact that he kind of set his market too high too early on, and teams kind of just you know they. Yeah. I've also seen them say, I'm going to wait on the Right. I mean, offer. they just balked at it. So, I mean, now he's still sitting out there because he's not budging and he's still sitting there. Uh, so, and he's not, he's a good pitcher, but he's not like the best in his class, like a Craig Kimbrell. So, Kimbrell has way more leverage to kind of get what he wants, even but. as a closer. Exactly. So, you know, the, the Brewers are the name that keeps popping up, even though they kind of already have their bullpen solidified. But well, no, not anymore because their closer just went down. He might have hurt. Tommy John. That's So, I mean, they got to do – Kimbrell's going to have to sign somewhere soon. Kyko's got to sign somewhere soon. But, like, there's no static out there right now other than what we've already mentioned. Yeah, there's got to be a point in there somewhere where their bottom end asking price, we won't talk to you for anything less than this and they're not willing to come off of it for each pitcher. Because at this point in the game, there should be at least a rumor in place. <laughs> you would think where Kimbrell is tied to the Brewers or just have to work out a few details or something along those lines. That quality of pitching to still be sitting there when the season starts. It's crazy. Very surprising. I mean, the Braves today broke on their Twitter account that there's going to be big news today, Braves country. Stay tuned this afternoon, and everyone's thinking, Kimbrell's coming home, he's coming home, and <laughs> everybody's getting all excited, and I think they only meant by that was, we're breaking out our hype video today. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <who was laughs> Such a disappointment. <laughs> uh, you were not happy with the hype video, I right? was not. <laughs> it was like so dramatic, and they've spent zero money this offseason, so don't sell me on that shit. We could have made something on the iPhone and then a little bit better. Oh, absolutely. But we'll make our own hype video. Oh, I might do that. <laughs> if you guys had to make a prediction at this point, where do they end up? Where would, you, where would your best guesstimate be? I honestly have no idea. I mean, I, I think I really think Kimbrell's going to end up on the Brewers. Keuchel, I I have no clue. If I had to bet, I would say uh, I'm going to go home. I think Kimbrell's coming home eventually because his heart's in Atlanta. If it's comparable, he's going to pick Atlanta over Milwaukee. Uh, I, I could see the Phillies actually signing Kimbrell because they need starting pitching and they're willing to spend money. Why haven't they yet, though? Uh, I mean, maybe they're just waiting to see if it comes down anymore. I don't know. It's not going up. (laughs) It's not like the longer he waits, the more he's going to make. Well, here's the deal. The owner said we're going to spend money recklessly, and what more reckless way to spend money than on Dallas Keiko? (laughs) Right. Let's uh, let's get that $1 billion figure Uh, up a little higher this week. All right, so before we get into the division picks and the the winners and the wild card and everything that we got lined out there, since we're talking so much about money – I happen to have a list here of the top 10 salaries in 2019 for Major League Baseball. So I want to see if you guys can tell me who are the top 10 highest paid players that we're going to have this year. So throw some names at me. Obviously Trout. So Trout is $34.1 million. That puts him at number five. Harper. No, he's uh, he's not even on there. Sorry, nope. I forgot his list. Yeah, Harper and Machado yeah. and Arenado are all under the top ten because of the way their deals were structured. You mean just for this year, then? For this year, just for 2019. All right, who you got, Biggs? So, 
Giancarlo's got to be on there, right? He is not. Not for this what? year. Oh. Is it Bobby Bonilla? <laughs> Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, uh, what about uh, Ver- Verlander? Verlander is number 10, tied for 10th on there at $28 million. Oh. Kershaw's got to be right around that number knot. Kershaw is tied with so- another pitcher at $31 million at the number six spot. Scherzer. Oh. Scherzer is number two at $37.4 million this year. Wow. Um, J.D. Martinez. Eh. Wow. Okay. What about Mickey Cabrera? $30 million. He comes in at number eight. All right. Mm. How many we got so far? You're missing number one, number three. There's somebody tied with Kershaw. So I'm going to throw this out there just because of the way the contract could have potentially been structured. Is Albert Pujols in this somewhere? Pujols is tied at number 10. With oh. Verlander at $28 million. So you're only missing a couple. I can't, number one, pitcher, Steven Strasburg. What's he, he make this year? $38.3 million. You're telling me that the uh, Nationals got $75 million worth of pitching on, or $70 into two starting pitchers? Yeah, I would stumble over my words, too. They have the highest two paid players in all of baseball this year. And so when you would talk about spending money recklessly, there's a good model to follow right there. Wow. <laughs> talking about someone who didn't live up the hype coming out, and he's still getting paid just based off of hype. Hey, man, hype pays the bills sometimes. Wow. So, so well. you got another pitcher that comes in number three. He's on the he's out west, so you don't think about him as much if you're here on the east coast. Um, bomb, mad bomb, no, Grinky. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that guy cashed in on a couple of good years. Thirty-four point yeah. five million this year. But, yeah, because Atlanta kept talking about they was going to trade for him. I'm like, I don't want him. Then you got Price is tied with Kershaw at thirty-one million, and then the Mets are paying somebody twenty-nine million. Does not play. Empty right? ball. Giannis Cespedes. Hall. Oh. Twenty-nine million. So. If you're talking about paying your players and you want to see who the highest paid are right now, that's 2019 for you. So we'll revisit that from time to time and see how screwed up people make these contracts. Well, I mean, that goes to show you why teams are spending the way they do in free agency. They're like making a slow, tedious process because listen to those freaking names. I mean, can you blame them? I mean, Cabrera and Cespedes, man, that's $60 million between both of them. Oh, wow. Okay. And Pudgels is still on there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's ridiculous. All right, so let's go ahead and get down to the brass tacks of the, the division winners. So I'm going to give you what the fans gave us. So we put this out on social media, got thousands and thousands of votes out there. So this the, these names, these teams are not representative of Canadian Biggie, Chad, the Mark, and Mr. Brown. These are what, all over the country. This is what we got from all over the country from our th- Thousands and thousands of followers out there. We'll start with the AL. AL East, we got the Red Sox. We have the Minnesota Twins winning the Central. That's a surprise, but okay. We're hearing the fans. The Astros in the West. No surprise there. And then wild card, when I figured it out, it looked like it was going to be down to the Yankees and the Indians. Okay. I mean, I could see all these teams making the playoffs, just not in that order, so... All right, so so let's go ahead and, and get out with it. Mr. Brown, who's going to win the AL East? I'm going Yankees, actually. How about the Central? Uh, the Indians. The West? And the Astros, of course. Who's your wild cards? The Red Sox and the Twins. Ooh, you like the Twins, too. I do. They, they did a lot to try to close the gap. We'll see. Biggie, what do you got, brother? Who's winning the East? I got the Red Sox repeating in that division. Central. Indians. West. Astros. And your wild cards. Yankees and the Twinkies. Wow. Wow. A lot of similarities. So I just so I get mine out there real quick. I got the Yankees, Indians, and Astros as your division winners. And then I got the Red Sox and the Rays in the Same. wild card. 
Are they going to continue the trend of the opener this year? Uh, that, On their um, way to 90 wins? They might. <laughs> I mean, it worked last year. I mean, they just, they just uh, re-upped Snell and they signed Charlie Morton. So I like that uh, snag there for the rotation. I mean, the problem, here's the thing about the Rays is, is you know, the, the AL East is so top-heavy right now. I mean, it's tough for three of them to get in, but it just might happen. They can't score runs with the Yankees or the Sox. So that's what scares me. I like their pitching, but they're not going to be able to have score enough runs. I, I, my next team out would have been what you guys went with, going with the Twinkies. I, I couldn't pull myself to it. I just didn't think they, they had enough to get there. But you know what? Beating up on some of those uh, AL Central teams might do it for them. It's true. It's weak. Weeks division baseball. In that division, you can take that leap with that team. If the Rays are in the Central, they'd win it. I can't find myself uh, picking the Mariners. Sorry, Biggs. And uh, Oakland's going to take a step back with their money ball this year. So it's kind of by default the Twins because I don't feel like anybody else in the East will have a shot. The Central's so bad, and the West, I just don't see it either. So it's pretty much to me it's a – Hey, the Mariners are in first place, though. Yeah, yeah, here you go. <laughs> That's well, baseball, baby. Perfect. Each row is retiring now, so all they're going to do is It's sing. all downhill from here. All right, so let's hit the NL real quick. The fans gave us the Braves, the Cubs, the Dodgers, and then the wild cards being the Phillies and the Cardinals. Before you get into that, though, the Braves, which I'm proud of, had the highest t- voting turnout in the whole freaking country. I love it. Yeah, so out of what he's saying is out of all teams on the poll, which was every team, the Braves had more votes than any other team. I think you might have doctored the polls. No, you must have sent it to all your friends. Absolutely not. <laughs> everybody, You made everybody at work vote on it. It surprised me. I'm going to be honest. All right, so it was Braves, Cubs, Dodgers, and then Phillies, Cardinals. I got Braves, Brewers, Dodgers. Cardinals, the Rockies. I went with the Rockies. So, Biggie, what you got? So, I got the Braves in the East. I got uh, the Brewers in the Central for winning division. And then the Dodgers out West for like the 17th straight year, it feels like. And then uh, I like the Cubs in the wild card. And I'm hoping by picking up my jinx, I got the Phillies for the other wild card. Mr. Brown, who you got? I'm going Nats in the East. That hurts you, doesn't it? Uh, the starting pitching is too good. And, less, and I'm going to tell you why. I feel like if we don't upgrade our rotation or, or if these young guys coming up don't live up to their potential, we're, we're going to sink quickly. We're going to score a lot of runs, but we got to pitch too. I have a feeling I know who one of your wild cards are. No, absolutely. Okay, I'll go ahead and write the Braves in there. Yeah, Braves wild card, Nats in the East. I'm going Cardinals Central, Dodgers West. And I feel like the uh, Braves and Cubs will be the wild card. All right, so so it looks like across the board, you know, we're not too different than what the uh, public decided to tell us there. But let me ask you this. What do you think is the toughest division to try to figure out this year? What's going to be the most competitive? NL East. You go NL East? Yeah. So, so Nats, Phillies, Braves, all just calling each other, fighting it out. You think the Mets are going to make a step forward? I do because they have the second best rotation in all of baseball behind the Nats. I think when you look at the NL East, you can forget the Marlins, obviously, and any of those other teams in that division were to win the division, you'd be like, eh, yeah, I could see that. And that's the only division in baseball you could really say that. See, I'm, I'm going to go with the NL Central just with the the fact you got it's going to be competitive. I'm not saying it's the best. But I think it's going to be the most competitive because you're still going to have the the Pirates in the in the cellar. I think the Reds will be good enough to just probably screw things up and maybe cost a uh, wild card out of there. That's why I want the Rockies over the Cubs or the, the uh, Cardinals because I think the Brewers are going to win the division. And then the Cardinals, Cubs are going to cannibalize each other. And I think the Reds, who won't be above 500, will win enough just to kind of screw that up so they don't get the wild card out of there. I mean, I agree with you 100%. I feel like the NL Central is the only division that's comparable to the NL East. you got four quality teams there that's going to be fighting against each other and then a cellar dweller, just like the Braves and the Marlins in the East. Right. Um, in the West, you're going to have the Rockies and the, and the Dodgers battling it out. In the AL West, you're going to have pretty much the Astros run away with it. In the Central AL, you're going to have the Twins and the Indians. That's it. And then the Yankees and the Sox and the AL East. So those two divisions we talked about, top four teams – it could go any way if things go correctly for that one team. Yeah, I think with both of them, you can definitely say you see three teams that possibly could win it. 
if that fourth team came out of left field, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world. It's probably not going to happen, but it wouldn't be like, oh, I can't believe they had that type of season. I mean, it's, to me, that's the Reds and the Mets in each it, it, it is. But, but I think when you look at the, the Phillies, Nats, and Braves, and when you look at the Cubs, Brewers, and Cardinals, it, it's just like draw a name out of a hat. I will say this, though. I mean, being right here from Charleston, you know, West Virginia, I'm excited that the Reds are making some moves <laughs> and at least showing their fan base they're wanting to win now. I mean, to an extent, I should say. But I like the fact that they're adding payroll and they're trying to get a competitive team because it's good for the area. Go sign Dallas Keuchel. They should. My boomer bust team that could completely implode by 60 games into the season is the same team that I picked to make the wild card in the Phillies with as much as they added in the offseason, Segura Romilto. Harper, David Robinson. I could see Bryce Harper dodging batteries by the beginning of May when he's hitting 237. <laughs> I'll tell you why I don't like the Phillies. Uh, I don't like their starting so I don't like their starting rotation. I don't like Gabe Kapler as a manager. He is a complete idiot. <laughs> he's he's so overdriven by sabermetrics and he don't use his instincts at all. I sit there and watched him opening day last year in Atlanta. He had Aaron Nola cruising through five innings, shutting the Braves out. He pulls him out of the game because of some stupid matchup, and the Braves win 7-4 to four on the bottom of the ninth walk-off because he pulls his ace, arguably the second-best pitcher in the National League, out after five innings with a low pitch count. So Gabe Kapler, Philly fans, he'll be your undoing. You watch and see. So is there what are your what are your best rotations out there because we talk a lot about pitching. We know it's a little easier to figure out which teams have the best lineup. That's pretty easy to do. So what what are your what are your top give me your top 3 top 4, you know, I guess overall pitching teams, you know, starting pitchers cuz bullpen's such a big part of it too. So who who's your dogs? I mean there's four. Four to me. The the Mets, the Nats, the Red Sox, and the uh, Astros. Now the the Red Sox pins a little uh, a little shaky. iffy because Kimbrel's gone, but they got a dude named Matt Barnes going to step in. He's been a solid uh, middle reliever. So those four rotations to me are the tops, hands down. I'd have a hard time arguing that. Biggie, do you disagree at all? No, uh, you nail on the head. I think Barnes will step in nicely. So where are your seats at? This year we're sitting in the right field seats. Uh, I love the outfield seats personally. I just like the view of the field from there. We're sitting in the right field. Last year we sat in left field because when you had to beat the freeze where you have to run the outfield track, yep. we couldn't see it that well. So this year we're sitting in the right field so we can watch him smoke some fat fan trying to keep up for about uh, 20 feet. <laughs> that, that's worth going to the ball game right that's there. excellent. Well, Mr. Brown, enjoy the game. Have a good time down there in Hotlanta and – Biggs, you and me will try not to get in trouble at work listening or watching games on our phone. So I know it's a sad day for Canadian Biggie. Your bromance has to come to an end. What happened this week for the New England Patriots? Can you tell me? That bromance will never come to an end. Let's start (laughs) there. Secondly... The greatest tight end in the history of football has decided to call it quits. He wants to be in the Hall of Fame by the time he's 35. He'll go into Hall of Fame roughly six years after having played nine. Those numbers are one numbers that he loves. His career average <laughs> touchdowns per game is .69. I think that is the reason that he actually retired. He so, cannot afford to mess that up. So the stars aligned and he just had to cash in on his favorite number while he could. Hey. It's all about marketing. So you really don't put him ahead of Tony Gonzalez, right? For actual ability as a tight end, yes. If you want to go longevity and numbers, then you put Gonzalez up there. What he was able to do over as long as he was able to stay healthy is really impressive. But even he'll tell you he didn't block. He was a glorified he was a wide receiver playing tight end. All right, so, so just, so just real star. quick, real quick, one word answer. Who is the greatest tight end to ever play the game? Wrong. Uh, I, why would I expect anything different? So I, I'm I'm more in the fan house of of uh, Tony Gonzalez, and just because you know he did it for such a long time, and 
He did not have the same type of arm throwing him the ball and did not play for the same organization. I'm not taking that away from Gronk, but I think it just highlights a little bit more about Gonzalez. I think everything you said about Gronk being a Hall of Famer and being in when he's 35 years old, 36 years old, whatever it will end up being, you know, all that stuff's true. And he is one of the best people to ever play that position. I, I think you know, injury and, and longevity just hurt him. It, it, it got it got to the best of him. And, and, you know, that's why he's walking away from the game, but at least he's walking away on top. I mean, the way the way he was walking around, I would have never realized he was only 29 years old. Oh, he had a piano strapped to his it's back. It's crazy. I mean, like, but he, he was so good. Uh, I just didn't realize he was as young as he was. And he'll be in, like you said, that early in his, you know, retirement. So. And, and Biggie's right. He is a complete tight end. He was a ferocious blocker. He did a great job at all aspects of that position. And he was a guy that would just line up and do whatever was asked of him. So, I mean, I, I think he's awesome. I, I, I put him number two. And I, I think, you know, per game, you know, he looks better than Gonzalez. But Gonzalez just played for such a longer period of time and, you know, played toward the end of his career where he wasn't putting up as great a numbers as he once was. But, you know, at the end of it, you know, all time, you know, touchdowns and things like that, Gronk never caught him. So, I mean, I, I think that's what kind of separates it for me. Hey, Biggs, did you hear, did you know what I heard on the uh, TV this morning? The latest rumor. I uh, know. Uh, what is that? He's going to sit out a year in retirement, and then he's going to come back and play in the NFL next year for the Raiders. Oh, my God. I, I really heard that. that. I really I, heard that. What news outlet reported that? I think it was like some, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, like Bleacher Report or <laughs> <laughs> Mad Dog Sports? <laughs> uh, it was like, uh, you know, that networking, like the PBS or something. <laughs> PBS. <laughs> Frontline. <laughs> <laughs> It was some crazy like local show, but they did say it. I was I, like, "Yeah!" It was like the uh, the the fourth most watched news channel in the Oakland Bay area. They, they, they had like a little segment on there, but in between, they was like trying to sell real estate or something. I think it popped <laughs> on there. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, a lot of the Patriots fans came out this week and told us that. Well, it's kind of one of these situations where if it gets to like week seven or eight, and the Patriots need to, you know, call the closer and pull him out of the bullpen, he's going to be ready, willing, and able. Has a guy ever retired, and on the same day he retired, has it had his agent say, well, you know, he might still be playing this year. We'll just wait and see. So what you're saying is he's just a lazy bum and doesn't want to go to training camp? If he retires now, it takes some money off the camp. He gets to go make a couple uh, WWE appearances, and then he decides what he really wants to do. I was disappointed he didn't show it. Raw was in Boston Monday. I thought for sure we'd get a Gronkowski sighting here two weeks before WrestleMania. I think somebody needs to to get their head out of their ass and, and fix this problem because they let the ball drop. Agreed, agreed, agreed. That's the whole reason I thought he retired on Sunday. It was only because Raw was in Boston on Monday. Very disappointed. Kind of a missed opportunity. I mean, is Vince not shelling out any money these days or what? I mean, they're shelling out plenty of money. I, I guess uh, they just couldn't come to terms with uh, old Gronk there. But you know what? Maybe we'll see him in the future. But the problem with Gronk is, you know, not to take anything away from him, but when you put him in the WWE ring, he doesn't look nearly as big. No, you're right. I mean, so if we had to all pick pick a area here, what he's going to do at the end of the year, is he going to make a comeback to NFL? Is he going to do a WWE or is he going to – pursue an acting career if you had to pick one what would you say i say you're going to see him back in the nfl i say that he's going to pursue an acting career not wrestling though here's the thing i think that he enjoys wrestling would like to be a part of it i don't think his body can handle it i think he's going to be the new jason witten <laughs> he's, he's going to just copy that yeah so he's not even going to come back this year but next year yeah he's going to be but back. he's going to take his spot in the booth and everything that would be back. awesome could you imagine gronk in the in the booth <laughs> oh bro look at that oh you gotta get on him oh man oh that's all it would be just that <laughs> Biggie's speechless. <laughs> He's giggling like a little schoolgirl. He's so excited. He's thinking, it just now dawned on him all these different opportunities that Grok can do. He's like, Booker McFarlane, we can get him off the crane and Grok can be down there. That's what I had in mind. See, if they chuck dildos at Gronk, he'll chuck them back. (laughs) For those who don't listen regularly, that's a reference to the Bills Mafia. But imagine Gronk in in the Bills Mafia on a crane. That would be, like, disastrous. 
He would probably be egging them on in the parking lot, though, before the game. Hey, boys, light that table on fire. Give him an F5. <laughs> Choke slam that chick right there. <sighs> if he doesn't at least make a run in the WWE, I would be surprised because I think he's got the right persona, personality. They'll throw him some money and see how it goes. I mean, at least for a year, like, hey, we'll give you $5 million. And, like, that would that would put butts in the seats. He sucks at it. He just says he retires because of his back. He pulls a Witten, kind of. He could be like the last great former football player who turned wrestler with Steve Mongo McMichael. I got crickets on that one. Everybody's like, who the hell is Steve Mongo McMichael? That Look him up. Google him. His finishing move was a three-point stance. When you preface it with the last throw to turn to a great wrestler, you can't leave a freaking Mongo. All right, well, who's, who's, your, who's your other great NFL player that turned into a good wrestler? Don't give me Kevin Go Green. Goldberg. Goldberg. The Rock. Uh, but go, those guys were the same level of football players, though. I know they were crap, but they became great wrestlers. That's like giving me Baron Corbin because he was on the practice squad for the Cardinals. I mean, it's more of an NBA game. You know, you got Rodman and Carl Malone. That was great. I'm still <laughs> upset we never saw Big Show and Shaq. Yeah, that would have been excellent. All right, so anyway, back to NFL, you know, a sport, not a, a reality show there. The uh, oh. other retirement, we did have uh, Jordy Nelson call it a career. Uh, Packers fans everywhere sobbing a little bit because he did not retire as a Packer. But, well, you know, here, here's hoping we get that one-day contract so he can do that. So, Jordy Nelson, is he a Hall of Famer? No. I, I think he broke down a little bit towards the end, so I think he's uh, probably not going to get in. You seem like you were a little bit closer to being on the fence on that one. I mean, yeah, I mean, I like what he did there for a stretch, a few stretch of years there, but I don't feel like there's enough body of work. Yeah, I agree with you. He's not a Hall of Famer, but I at least wanted to pose the question. He, he For a couple years, though, he was solid when that, that Packers offense was, was churning out, you know, the yards they were. And, you know, he got a Super Bowl ring, so, you know, hey, happy retirement, Jordy Nelson. So speaking of things retiring, it looks like the AAF is about to retire. Have you heard the latest news about them? Yeah, I read today that it's probably not going to make it to year two, and, and they're claiming unless the NFL starts letting them use uh, younger NFL players to supplement their brand. They want it to be like baseball. Right. I mean, they want it to be a farm system and be able to, to use them because you have these futures contracts where guys on the practice squads and things like that aren't allowed to play on uh, the AAF because it's not the NFL. So I, I don't see that ever happening, but, you know, who knows? I, I, I'm sure the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes might be second-guessing that quarter-million-dollar investment oh, he made absolutely. to float payroll for a bunch of guys that, you know, aren't ever going to make anything of themselves. I mean, but does this open the door for the XFL next year, or is it just going to fold too? I mean, it could. I mean, but I, I think uh, I think at the end of it, as long as the NFL holds all the cards like that, you know, they, they're going to continue to sign all the people they sign and the, the leftovers that go to the AAF and the XFL. I mean, let's be honest. You really want to watch them? Unless they have some cool, crazy rules, you know, like murder the refs and stuff and landmines. <laughs> Probably not going to watch. Mutant League football is not walking through that door. <laughs> I wish it would. <laughs> so, so can you even name all eight – AFL team or AAF teams, the Birmingham Iron Man. What else do you need? That's, that's all you need, right? We got one. Orlando Apollos. Is that is that one? I think so. Yeah, that, that sounds right. right. Yeah. Or was that? Well, it's Johnny Paul play for the Memphis Hustle. That's a basketball team. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's where Javon Carter plays. Juicy. Uh, All right, so the, a, the AAF is, is done. We'll, we'll go ahead and write that down. You, you heard it here first because no one else is giving you that hot take. Um, the uh, other thing going on in the NFL is, uh, you know, similar to our meltdown we had, I don't know if it was last week or the week before with the baseball rules, the biggest thing to come out was the instant replay with pass interference. How do you feel about that? Well, before you tell me, before I say how we feel about it, Give me the specifics on what the rule is now. All right, so what I read is that the pass interference calls, both called and non-calls, are reviewable via red flag challenge. So you can review them just like you can review any other you know play they have in the books right now. So even if an official does not call pass interference and you feel like there was, you can throw that challenge flag and, and break that out. Inside of two minutes, it goes under the rest of the replay rules. So uh, to me, I think this is is a complete sham. The owners voted on it 31-1 to 1, with Mike Brown from the Bengals being the only one that didn't vote for it. 
And and tell me this isn't just a knee-jerk reaction from the fiasco and the Saints playoff loss. That's exactly what it is. Got to fix the game. Wrong team went to the Super Bowl. They look at that play as the reason that the Saints didn't go to the Super Bowl instead of the two plays before it under two minutes or the interception that was thrown in overtime. There's so many plays in a football game that can determine the outcome rather than one call or no call. I... It's a bad precedent. I don't like how it's going. I know that they said it's not set in stone and they're going to do it on a one-year trial basis. But now when you come out, your referee is explaining, well, there was some pushing and holding, but it was initiated by the offensive players. So uh, call on the field stands, no pass interference. And I get it. There's so much betting that is going on and it's becoming legalized within stadiums that you have to protect the integrity of the game. But Jesus, we're going to have five-hour football games now. Yeah, I mean, I got mixed feelings on it. I like the fact, I mean, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with the fact that if you save a challenge flag, you can use that to challenge a, a pass interference call by a ref. I don't mind that so much, but I don't like the two-minute rule because if you watch every single play, there's a play that could potentially be questionable on pass interference when a, when a guy's dropping back in coverage. But I feel like if a coach is going to save his flag and have one flag, I think that should be all he gets to use, even if it's within two minutes. My whole thing with it is you're talking about a judgment call. This is no different than if you were trying to decide holding. I mean, to me, it's the same thing because there's going to be games where you let a little hand fighting take place and, and guys, the officials are letting the receivers and the cornerbacks go at it a little bit. Then all of a sudden it's inside of two minutes and you get a call from New York to tell you, uh, uh, that's not right. I mean, but you've let these guys play a certain way the whole game. I mean, to review a judgment call like that is stupid. If you want to fix the game, why don't you hire full-time officials? Why don't you quit bringing out these part-time lawyers and, and gas pumpers or whatever the hell they're doing and, and give them a real job to where they focus on this all the time and you're less likely to have these mistakes? That's I couldn't agree more with what you said there. Have full-time officials, pay them well, make this the only thing that they're concerned with. And when you hire those full-time officials, hire one extra official for every crew. That guy sits up in the booth. He sees the replays you see at home. He's got a live mic to these guys, so when the play happens in the NFC Championship game and there's no flag thrown, he can go down there, hey, guys, you might want to huddle up on this one, look like a helmet-to-helmet hit there on the wide receiver. So they can get a chance to huddle and see, oh, what did you see? What did you see? Okay. Uh, you know, after the huddle. I would be uh, more of a fan of with that. This helmet. I would, I would like that better than than doing what they're doing now because at least you got somebody eye in the sky that's calling it on the fly, and and you know you're not completely stopping the game. You're just taking a a you know more of a delay between the plays to try to get it right. But I, I think this whole whole thing where you're slowing the game down, you're going to have two minute warnings. They're going to last you know thirty minutes now because they're because. If, if a team's trying to score, what are they usually doing? They're throwing the ball. You know how many contested plays there's going to be. And my thing is, if you're going to try it out, do it in the preseason. Just do it in the preseason and see what you think first. Don't sit there and go ahead and go carte blanche on the entire season and say this is how it's going to be. I mean, yeah, any game that's close, though, you're going to – any game that's close, it's going to literally take forever because they, they're going to question every play. I mean, really. Here's my question for you guys. With the other rules that we have in the league, there's usually a uh, a pretty clearly defined line on you know how you can hit a quarterback or where you can hit a wide receiver. From crew to crew in the NFL, some of them let the DB and the wide receiver fight a little bit on both sides. Other crews call it tight. So one week, a little bit of hand fighting is going to be pass interference. The next week, it's not. How do you determine that all of a sudden one of these referees isn't Tim Gonaghy of the NFL? <laughs> you don't. It's going to be chaos, and they're going to screw it up. And we're, go- you know, I'm hoping it plays out okay, and then maybe it's not going to be the end of all things that I think it's going to be. But I think it's going to be a nightmare, and it's going to suck. It's going to make the game worse. I, I get the point of trying to get the call right. I completely understand that. But it- at the end of the day, sometimes stuff like that, you know, just, just doesn't happen. It's it's. Mr. Brown, how would you feel in baseball if we just got rid of the umpire behind home plate? We went to a computer to tell you what's the ball and strike. I mean, they've talked about it. I know. And that. I agree. I mean, you got the human error is part of the game. It's been part of the game for over 100 years. So, I mean, you're going to get them right, some right, you're going to get some wrong. But 
I wouldn't like computers back there calling strikes and balls either. No, it'd be a nightmare. And that's and now this is the first step of us getting into judgment calls being reviewed. And and the thing it like, you know what's crazy is you can't review an illegal man downfield. Like if you had a pass play where you ran a screen and your offensive lineman got ten yards down the line or down the field before the ball was thrown, which is illegal, the opposing coach can't throw a flag and say, "Hey, you know what? That screen was illegal. Those guys were fifteen yards downfield when he threw the ball," and, and like that's technically a judgment call, but that's something you can look on replay and say clearly, well, here he is throwing the ball and those linemen are at the 20 yard line and they snap the ball in the 35. So that was, that was not right. You can't even review that stuff, but you're going to sit there and start reviewing past interference. I'm telling you the road to hell is paved with good intentions and the good intentions here are to try to fix this stupid call that happened in the Saints game and nothing else. But what it's going to do is going to open up that can of worms and now everything is going to be scrutinized and and this is the same league that can't even figure out what the hell a catch is with replay. What's it going to be now with pass interference? NBA playoffs are getting ready to take shape. We, we got the West pretty much decided. East is about ready to figure it out. Looks like Harden's doing everything he can to win the MVP back uh, from Giannis. But one of the more interesting things for us to talk about is we put out in social media a poll that's pretty much lasted, what would you say, about two weeks? Yeah, probably going on three overall. And basically what we did was we asked you, the people, to tell us who are the best players at their position of all time. We went through center, went through power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. So at the end of it all, the public our followers, and even some that don't follow us who just felt like giving their opinion, decided to tell us who the starting five was. So, Biggie, I know you haven't heard these names yet. Mr. Brown, I think we've got a, a little bit of it out. So I'm going to give you the nation's starting five. So we'll start with the big men. At center, we got Kareem. Yay or nay? Did they get it right? Absolutely not. I can't argue with that. Kareem, he's one of the greatest players in the history of the league. He's the all-time point scorer. You can say the game changed over the years. His game fits in any generation. They got it right. All right, so I'm okay with Kareem. I know Mr. Brown's partial to Shaq because of his pure physical dominance, right? I mean, absolutely. I'm not saying the Kareem's a bad pick by any means. I just feel like I would have went Shaq. That's, just, that's Shaq. all I'm saying. I'm not saying I would take. I would take Kareem in a heartbeat. That's one of those that's really hard to, for me because it's like splitting hairs. I'm gonna get into the whole overall body of work <laughs> here in a second, but like we'll agree to disagree on Kareem. All right. So moving on, power forward. This was a shocker for me, almost out of all of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking it was going to be Malone. It might have been Garnett. Duncan. Duncan, I was not expecting for Mav fans to take over the poll and get Dirk Nowitzki as our all-time greatest power forward. I know he changed the game and he revolutionized what the big man does, but he uh, he kind of won walking away with this one. It was pretty easy. So how, how do you feel about Dirk as your greatest power forward? Uh, I'm really disappointed in that vote. I couldn't be more disappointed and speak clearly on it uh <laughs> tim duncan's the greatest four of all time i mean we can all agree it's probably the biggest uh, upset of all four all the five positions so i mean we can move on past that there's not much you can really say not only that when the news came out we did all see tim duncan is training to kick someone's ass exactly <laughs> he is kickboxing he saw the results man and he drew dreads and uh, now he's just kicking ass all right moving to the three the small forward LeBron James came in with the uh, overall tally, but this was very interesting because the second place, I mean, we're talking like just hundreds of votes separated them, it, less than 100 probably. Scottie Pippen came in second of all small forwards, so outshining the likes of Dr. J and Larry Bird, but LeBron walked away with it, and, and Pippen was like literally right on him as close as you could possibly be. I can't argue hey. LeBron. Uh I would go LeBron, Bird, Pippen, myself, but I can't argue LeBron. I think LeBron's the right pick there. Pippen ain't easy. If it was, he'd have finished first, but I'll give it to LeBron. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, LeBron, you know, it's funny that, you know, he's in all these conversations for the, the greatest of all time, and he barely wins the small forward poll. 
But you know, well, I I would strike out. You know, like we blame like Dirk Nowitzki, and we're going to blame another one of these polls on millennials, but we don't blame it on LeBron coming in barely ahead of Pippen. So it's it's interesting <laughs> that how that. It's how, it's how how you spin it. This is the no spin zone here, and we don't know sports. Um, shooting guard, any surprise? Jordan walked away with that one fairly easy. I saw he only won by 300 votes. Yeah, but I think some of that was because idiots kept just clicking the thumbs up for Clyde Drexler and it stole points from him. Correct. (laughs) I'm not hating on Clyde the Glide. He was probably the best uh, shooting guard in the game other than Jordan when he played. He just happened to play with Jordan. Uh, Kobe, you know, represented pretty well, which, you know, he should. I I think he's he's one of the best of all time. But, you know, Jordan, you know, went away with that one, and I'm pretty sure we all agree with that. He's the best. Or eat a cow tongue. I slam a jamma. Hey, had Drexler not been in Portland when Jordan came out, he could have ended up in Portland. That's why they went with Bowie. So thank you, God, for Clyde Drexler being in Portland. And I got Jordan of the Bulls. All right, point guard, Biggie. We have not told you the point guard yet, have we? You have not. You've kept it a secret. All right, so who is the best point guard of all time? Um, Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd. No, it's yeah. definitely not Jason Kidd. He I left him off the poll. I, I didn't put Jason Kidd on the poll. <laughs> and, and and I stand by that decision because not that many people hated me in the comments for that. Only a few. I got more hate from I voted. Chris Paul and Jason Williams being left off. Uh, Jason and Williams. Gary Payton. A lot Come of people on. got mad about Gary Payton not being on there. I say John Stockton. When he retired, the all-time leader in assists and steals, and he was a member of the 180 club, you know, 90-50-40. What else can you ask for? I mean, I, I thought Magic was going to win it. I'd be all right with Stockton or Magic. I would probably lean toward Magic because I think he can do a little bit of everything. But that's just me, and I think maybe his career would have been better if not cut short for, you know, we all know why. But anyway, Mr. Brown? I, I would went Magic as well, um, but that's obviously not what our fans thought, so it's going to be pretty interesting. So, Biggie, if you're going to blame the millennials, who is your best point guard of all time? My God, did you put Chris Paul on there or Steph Curry? Steph Curry, Steph brother. Steph Curry? Steph Curry. He's only on there because he can shy. He I mean, plays point guard. He's, he's point guard. I know. He's the greatest shooter in the history of the league. I love watching him shoot. I love watching him play, but he's he's on there listed as a point guard, but Magic was a point guard. Stockton was a point guard. No. Uh. All right, so I, I, I agree. I, I, disagree, I disagree with three picks on this top five. But think about our team now as a cohesive unit. So, and I want you to argue me against me that any team could beat these five because they really actually go well together. They go really so well So you've together. got Curry at the point. You've got MJ. You've got LeBron. You've got Dirk at the four to stretch the floor some more. And then you've got Kareem underneath in the post. So you can't tell me that five – would not work well together. I don't think that five could work any better together than what we imagine it as right now with Curry at the point, Dirk stretching it out, Kareem owning the post with the sky hook. That's one hell of a team right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we we all could, you know, move a guy in or out of that 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 list we had. But that was the thing that stood out to me. What what you guys just brought up, what Mister Brown mentioned, was once you got the five together and you tried to envision somebody to take them down. That's a tough task. Here's the top team that would go against them, okay? So we we disagreed on three of the five picks. So here's what we're going to say. That five of the fan vote is going to go against Magic, Kobe, Larry Bird, Carl Malone, and Shaq. So we're going to put that on the poll. Yes. And we're going to let everybody settle. It's going to be the We Don't Know Sports top five. Against the nation's top five. No, that's not my top five. I'm just saying it's the best five of who's Well, left. we let them pick, and then we're going to put a team up against it and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's that's a pretty formidable team as well. We might have to talk off the air a little bit to make sure we get these names right. But we, we got to make I like those five. I, I like them, too. There's, I, I, we could argue about the power forward a little bit. You don't think Carl Malone? I mean, we could go Duncan. Yeah, but you need somebody that's going to stretch the floor. I mean, he can stretch it to 15 to 18 feet. Yeah. I'm not sure how he'll do with Dirk. Maybe we have the advantage to try to do the matchup, but we'll see. Anyway, that was the top five of all time. Once again, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Dirk Nowitzki, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and little old Steph Curry. By the We Don't Know Sports fans out there, they told us who the top five NBA players are of all time. So 
I was just going to say, while I disagree with several of the picks, I applaud your group effort of a team put together. Nice job, fans out there, because that's a good team all time together. They they did a good job. They came out and, you know, they made it at least a challenge to try to figure out all the votes because they came in in numbers. And I, I am I am very shocked that LeBron has that many haters and Pippen has that many fans. That was that was interesting. <laughs> Well, spring is finally here. We got daylight savings time out of the way, and baseball season is getting ready to start. Mr. Brown's going to Atlanta. Canadian Biggie's stuck in Siberia. And I'm just going to sit at home and watch games, hopefully, or not get fired at work for watching too much baseball. But, Mr. Brown, have a wonderful time in Atlanta next week. I'm going to be down there interviewing some folks. We're going to talk about how we're going to whip the Cubs' ass, and uh, we're going to hang out at the poorhouse, and we're going to keep chopping on, baby. Chop on, as they say, down in Atlanta. Or is that Florida State? Quit that. Kansas Kansas City Chiefs. Quit that nonsense. They're going to take it away if you keep talking about it. Hey, imitation is the (laughs) the best form of flattery. (laughs) (laughs) Stop. (laughs) 